The views, opinions, and accounts expressed on Card Wars are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the Extra Points Podcast Network. Welcome to Card Wars. Here are your hosts, Paul LaDuca and Caleb Keller. Oh, yes, indeed. We are back. I am Caleb. He is Paul, and we are building our stack, 10K large each, to take to the national for our man cousin, Sal. And Paul, you've told us once or twice here throughout the season that uh, this is not going to be your, your first national. Now, when did you go? Where did you go? Were you a kid? Were you signing autographs as a player? When did you make the national? No, I was never able to sign autographs as a player. Usually the Nationals is always during the season. So um, I was able to go when I was a kid. I remember when I was younger. I waited in line for Walter Payton um, and got his autograph. Um, I was a young kid. I have to say I was like maybe 12 or 13 or something like that. That was um, when our card shop was sort of rolling uh, right around that age, 12, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. Um, so went to, uh, one nationals and I want to say it was in Anaheim, um, and, and had a, a bunch of fun. Um, and they're just, they're fun shows to go to because it's not a lot about the selling. As you can see, if you watch a lot of the video, like you did for the Dallas show is like, there's a lot of trading that goes on, goes on and big time trading. So guys will trade $50,000 cards for maybe, a collection of $50,000 other cars. There's $100,000 trades going on in Dallas. And I'm sure there's going to be bigger trades going on um, at the national, especially with PSA going to be grading $300 a pop. So I'm sure there's going to be some whale cards being brought into that convention center. The old saying is trading cards. And it's kind of a new way to do it these days where, you know, especially guys playing on a higher, let's say if they want a $5,000 card, they want to buy. Well, they might sell one card for fifteen hundred, one card for fifteen hundred, yeah. one card for two thousand, and they've done three sales, and then they buy the five thousand. Where essentially they just traded it all together. It's yeah. good for commerce. No, it is good for commerce. You know, and here's the other thing about this. I remember when we used to do shows, not nationals or anything like that, but we used to do shows like in California, Nevada, and Albuquerque and stuff like that. You would say at that time when Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson and a lot of the sons, you, you would, if you had a shop in Phoenix, they were sought out cards. So shops maybe from Phoenix that are going to be at the nationals, they'll probably trade looking for Devin Booker's because Devin Booker's are probably uh, obviously much more wanted in Arizona than probably any other state. And maybe they'll trade straight up for some people from Memphis that have a card shop for John Morant's. I mean, that's the way it works because, you know, there's there's demand in each state for the favorite player. And in Phoenix, you got to understand the Diamondbacks were an expansion team. The Cardinals came from St. Louis. The Coyotes came from Winnipeg. The Suns were the original team there. So they are most revered by the Phoenix fans or the Arizona fans. By the way, I heard that the owner of the Diamondbacks is one of only three people in the world that own a Mickey Mantle PSA 10. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and how about your boy Logan Paul yep. coming in to fight Mayweather with a pristine 
Uh, what, what's the is first is a pristine Charizard first edition. <laughs> now, what's funny about that, that why you bring it up, you're, you were thinking just like I was, because in the whole registry for the 1952 Mickey Mantle, there's only three PSA 10s. And Logan Paul said in the B, in the BGS registry, there's only three Charizard first edition. So he told the guys after their fight, it was a million dollar card he had around his neck. He had a million dollar card around his neck. I love it. I love it. You guys have his mind. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, what is that? And it was, yeah, it was pristine Charizard. So that's like, so there's only three of those that are pristine tens or and then mm-hmm. in mantles, there's three. Mm-hmm. What does the mantle go for though? Well, the mantle nine just set a record sale a while back Four, I think it was like 4.1 million. A guy from Indiana actually, by the way, bought it. He went to Indiana university for a while, but uh, okay. I think a producer or a producer, I've been doing it to his TV. No, a professor yeah. <laughs> kind of rubbed him the wrong way. So he, he transferred to Indiana Purdue university in Indianapolis, but Long story short, some like young business mogul bought the nine for four million, which at the time was the most expensive car ever purchased. Still might be, but the ten, there no way I will ever sell them. That people think it could be a thirty, fifty million dollar card. What? Yeah, there's three of them, and the Diamondbacks owners got one. They mentioned somebody else who's got the second one, and then the third one might be in flux. But they, they definitely know that the Diamondbacks owner has one of the three. That's pretty crazy. Well, the trout. Where the trout went from four point eight million, <clears throat> that's crazy. I can't even imagine a card being that 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 going to be a documentary, almost like the the Gretzky card that was altered. And I don't know how many hands that ended up going through. I wonder where that sits now. That Gretzky card that was going for millions over millions, and I know Gretzky owned part of it at one time. Did he not? Yep. Well, I think or that. The, the Cobb car? What, what car did they no, he had, Yeah, Gretzky, Gretzky had a partial ownership of the Honus Wagner. Of the Honus Wagner. That, that, was, that was, was clipped. That was, that was altered. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it was. And, you know, when, when we look at these charts right now, these modern cards, and we see that most cards are, are down from, let's say, a high in about February, which, yeah. by the way, is the thing around when we started the show. So we, we started about the peak, but we're going to be fine to climb in the profit either way. But, you know... The prices are down, but I listened to my guy, the sports card investor. He's got a podcast that's really good. And what he mentioned was, even though the prices are down, interest is up, mm-hmm. right? He said he's never had more He's never had more subscribers. He never had more people watch a video last month. He, so interest is still very, very high. And obviously, I think we're going to see that at the national. And, you know, markets are, are basically groupthink. And the groupthink was, hey, we're seeing that they're ticking up. Last year, and everybody kept buying. I mm-hmm. I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that the stimulus money plus the idea of investing being alive and well, those really got put in. So, yes, everything was trending for this for this market to literally blow up twenty x. We mentioned the Luca Prism rookie, the LeBron Tops rookie. Those went twenty x, and now they've peeled back about half that. They're still ten xing. But what I'm trying to get to is the interest is still at an all-time high. And that's why this hobby, I think, is going to continue to flourish. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that still have that junk wax error that are trying to get rid of it. Um, and they can't. But then some of the cards out of the junk wax error were like the, the skyboxes of Jordan and Magic covering each other. Those were dollar fifty cent cards. Like some dollar, $2 cards have turned into $100, $150 cards so, um, it's just, it's really weird how you'll look up a card and you'll think it's rare and it's not. 
and then you look up another card. But if it's graded in the right condition, um, it's worth it's worth money. And and like you always say, there's always stalwarts. There's LeBrons. There's Michael Jordans. There's guys that are like watches in art that, like I always say, that will never go down. And you can never lose money investing in those type of guys. But you're right. The interest is completely up. I mean, I've had 50 people who say, hey, come by. Can you look at my collection, see if it's worth anything? Um, because they're seeing what's going on. Um, and usually you'll find three to four cards. Actually, my brother bought a collection yesterday for like $300 from a guy. Um, and there were a lot of, you know, insert cards of Jordan and a little bit here and there. My brother will be able to make, be able to make money on it. But um, – yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, maybe I have one of these well cards, and they're seeing cards going for millions, this and that. And, you know, illusions of grandeur, we all have them. Um, and, and all of them go, hey, let's go in the basement and see if we got something like that. And some people have struck gold before. I remember my buddy, they had cards up in the basement one time, um, and he had no clue what was going on, and they have been sitting up there forever, and he walked up there, and they had a, a Willie Mays rookie card up there. So... You never know what you might find. So, you know, I had a pretty good friend from high school who he didn't collect for way too long, but there was a time where he was going down and burning some money with me at the at the uh, collectible shop. And I told him a, a couple of years ago, I said, "Dude, you've got a LeBron Bowman rookie card. I remember you pulling it and this and that." And sure enough, he barely even remembered that he had it. And I think he went back to his mom's house, dug it up, and there it was a Bowman Chrome LeBron James rookie card. I, I totally remember him pulling it, even if he didn't. And he gave it to me, and I. I Sends it off to Beck. It lasts like September. God knows if I'll ever get that back. But it's just one card. <laughs> but yeah, it's still it's still out there in BGS land. But my man, I told him to dig that thing out. You've got the LeBron rookie. Wait a second. So how long have you been waiting on that thing to come back? I mean, we're gonna be a couple of months. We're gonna be ticking up on a year to the point where my man Brian at South Bay Cards he said that they quit taking submissions because he was tired of picking up the phone and telling everybody they weren't graded yet. That's crazy. So. What do you think it's going to get from Beckett? I I mean, I thought I thought for sure it was a 9.0. I thought I think if they're feeling good it could be a 9.5. I don't think it's an 8.5 and I definitely don't think it's a 10. So I told him, look, if it's a 9, it's a 1000. If it's a 9 and a half, it's 3, you know, conservatively. So. Conservatively, yeah. Wow, it's but, crazy that you remember him pulling that card. What, what but, was what's the most amazing card you ever pulled out of the pack? You yourself, uh, I would say, I would say a, uh, a Joe Montana Ring of Honor autograph. He signed it on the card. It's only for Super Bowl MVPs. It was out of a Topps Jumbo Pack, like two thousand two or three. How about you? Oh, really? Um, you 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 saved up for your Pete Rose. You got the Jordan rookie cards one way or another. But and then like you know packs when you were buying like let's say circle late eighties were kind of just about more about set building, getting, getting the right set. Yeah, It was more about set building. I remember like, uh, I, I back to back when Frank Thomas was hot, I remember pulling uh back to back packs. I bought two packs and I got two 90 leaves. Uh, Frank Thomas is out of one pack and it, in, in the Sosa out of two packs. And I remember that was the best two packs I ever pulled at the time. Because those were the two hottest guys. And that set was a hot set with Larry Walker. And it actually, Larry Walker, um, going in the Hall of Fame, actually, we're going to have a couple of those cards for sale. Um, but that set was motoring pretty hot. I can't remember, like, a, a, a huge car that I ever pulled. But I remember my brother pulled um, the Stockton rookie out of an 88-89 um, flare basketball pack. And 
he got a graded a long time ago, and I think it's he still has it. I want to say it's a nine, which is actually very good. I mean, eighty nine is probably the worst cut flare cards. They were even cut worse than the eighty six, eighty sevens. I think eighty nine, ninety. They finally started getting it right, but eighty eighty nine are awful. If you can get a ten and eighty eighty nine and anything, it's worth a, a zillion dollars. But I, I think my brother got the Stockton nine. I know we're going to this national as sellers but uh, we've been to a couple car shows here on this season uh one in southern indiana one in lexington so when we went as buyers i was i was pretty impressed that you went right back to your natural instincts you're, you're willing to to barter mm-hmm. you're willing to ask for better price you did that you did a 650 dollar deal with a 12 year old wearing a john morant jersey which i was kind of blown away by but <laughs> when you go to a card show what are what are some things that you look for some tactics and just kind of ways to, to build your network when you meet these people at the table well, when you go to a card show, first of all, um, you're going to overprice your cards just a tad because, listen, no one's really going to pay the sticker price. Maybe one out of 10 people are going to grab the card and go, I'll pay the $250 that's on the thing most of the time. And you're the same way uh, as I am. If we see a card that we like for $250, would you take 200 for that? So you have to have a set price. Um, you have to have what you paid for it, um, what you think you get for it. But you also got to be able to cut your losses. There's there's always every time you go to a card show, you have five to 10 to 15 cards that you brought that you're trying to really get rid of that, you know, they're not really going anywhere. You might have paid 150 for them and they're going to stay at a solid fifty dollars, but they're not going anywhere. Quit putting the 150 on them, put forty dollars on them, sell them ten dollars cheaper than any everybody else and get rid of them and cut your losses. So. There's a method to the madness when you want to sell these things too. Because here's the other part is if you paid a hundred for like the LeBron, say the Flair USA, I, I played a hundred for like the Flair USA in the USA jersey. If somebody offers me one fifty, sold. I don't care if I have two hundred and fifty dollars on there. Profit is profit. My favorite thing to do at the card show is to look at the $5 box or, or let's say like five, ten, or twenty. The dollar mm-hmm. box, you're not gonna really find anything. It's a dollar box, but when you have a chance to go through a five, 10, 20, I, I feel like you can, you know, you get to mow through them all. Um, you get to see every card in there. You can quickly inspect the condition. Like, yeah, I'm not asking this dude to pull, Hey, can you pull that out of the case? I want to see the back corners. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, what was it? The t- $20 box I was going through the other day and found that like shack rookie that was pristine. There was one or two other ones in there that didn't look good. So when you got them in your hand, you can give a quick little evaluation of how they look, but the five, kind of mowing through the five or ten dollar box is kind of my jam. As just a typical buyer at one of these sales. Well, yeah, the, the five to ten, I would say the ten to twenty dollar box. You're right. You can find some gems because you can find some players that are up and coming. Usually, they're probably twenty five dollar cards and the owner has just a stack of them and multiples of them. And he'd rather sell them like that in 10 and $20 increments. But you're right. You can find some pretty good little deals. I mean, you're finding Shaq rookies and stuff like that. You can find some nice little insert cards. You can find some rookie cards that are on the rise um, as well, especially in baseball because, you know, baseball is such a long season. Their cards fluctuate. I'm looking at my list of purchases here for card wars and okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, start where i ended last week with my giannis crack dice i'm just gonna give, give you the names really quick in order of my ebay here we are kevin durant 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 trey young herbert chris paul wow pretty good 
so you know Durant, I kind of got into Durant buying some of his cards last year for my own collection, for my own investing, because I've seen this the last couple of years. It happened two years ago with Kawhi, the first year in the Clippers uniform. And then it happened last year, with first year with LeBron in the Lakers uniform. And I know that they, they've kind of made, like Lameen James has made fun of the fact that um, Kevin Durant has like these stagnant poses. He, he just mm-hmm. holds the ball and all these same pictures at like a different angle. But mm-hmm. still, something about the Nets unis. You know, I'm watching these Nets play, and I realize these stars at some point were disgraced a little bit. You know, people have said that Harden doesn't show up in Game 7, or he doesn't care enough, or Kyrie thinks the earth's flat, and he doesn't get along with anybody, and he hates the Celtics, and Blake Griffin, he, he's a bust, he's washed up, and Durant, he, he only goes to super teams. Well, you watch them all together, they are scary, they're even taller than, than the other teams. And one thing about Kevin Durant, I saw this on a TikTok video. I kind of didn't realize it. Do you know that Kevin Durant has grown like three inches since he got drafted? Do you really? Like he come in the league at like 6'10". And if you if you size him up now, he's like a 7'1 shooting guard forward, whatever you want to call nice. it. But I don't know. The Nets are looking so scary. Yeah, they really are. And when you have Allen and Shamit and TLC, TLC is like the 12th guy off the bench. Blake Griffin's been playing good enough defense. Um, but Kyrie is like, it's almost like he's disinterested, but like he's so good with the ball. And they run their set offenses. And if it comes into panic mode and the, the set doesn't work and there's seven seconds on the shot clock, when you have Kyrie or Durant, even though Hard's on the bench, you can give them the ball with seven seconds left and they both can create their own shot and, Durant made a couple unbelievable shots last night. Um, but Joe Harris is shooting the ball well. I mean, at, at some point, I, they were – they hit like four or five in a row. It was a joke. They had 90 points at the end of the third quarter or almost 100 points last night. And and that, that that's the other thing is like I wonder now – I was going to ask you this because hard cards are not like in the stratosphere of Durant – or Irving when it comes to rookie cards. If he gets a championship, what does that do to his inventory? I, I, you know, of those three, they really have never been, uh, like, super collectible. Because, like you say, Harden's never had the big market. Harden was in the same rookie set as Steph, and I thought those tops that year looked awful. They, okay. like, they, they blacked out the logos, and it was a very generic-looking, like, white warm-up type of weird picture. So I, I think that was Topps' kind of worst work they've done in 20 years was Steph and Harden's rookie class. I mean, I would take one if somebody gave it to me, but I would never <laughs> pony up, right? I think those don't look good at all. And then Kyrie's another guy that I've never really seen guys flaunting their Kyrie's and this. Durant has some more collectors. Um, the larger the larger sporting audience still remembers that Katie's got the Twitter burner account and that he went to the Warriors. But I think yeah. the hobby, though, they they know deep down they want Durant. Because at the Dallas show back in what was it, like March, they said that Durant was like one of the hottest players there. He wasn't even playing at the time. So people just see that this is the this is the opportunity for there to be a rival to LeBron. He's in the different conference. He's in the East. They're wearing different color uni. Kawhi, maybe pound for pound he could do that, but Kawhi still, I don't care if they're still playing or not, he's still the little brother in the same stadium. So Durant is the only guy in my mind and the hobby's mind that could see LeBron eye to eye. Hmm. That's actually a good way of putting it. I mean, and if you can deliver a championship, especially in Brooklyn, um, it would piss off a lot of Knicks fans. 
uh, but still on a on a high stage. Um, and with LeBron and Anthony already out, right, you know, it, it could be the Phoenix Suns of the Utah Jazz uh, trying to beat Brooklyn because this is the way Brooklyn's playing, the way they're flowing right now, the way they're shooting the, the basketball right now. Um, I don't see many teams beating them at all. Now you've been you've been around about you're covering the Belmont Stakes up in New York. You've been uh, spending time in Florida as well. But you, you, we've hung out with some of your buddies that have, have some serious cards. Did you work out a bet the other night to try to win a jock kaboom? We were doing we were making some bets, uh, and I told him that the Suns were going to win the series um, and that they were going to win Game One against the Nuggets. So we were working on some bets, and I said. He's like, okay, well, we bet um, some cards. I'm like, okay. So he's like, pick out these cards, pick out these cards. And he had some other cards over there. And he's like, I'll let you pick out one card there. And it was just sitting right in front of his first card in the field. It was a Jockaboom 2021. So I'm going to uh, bring that to the card show. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty funny. Won that bet. And then I won a bet earlier in the weekend. Um I forget what game that was, but I told him we have a big bet. That I told him that the Phoenix would win, win it in at least six. They'd be Denver in at least six. So I don't know what that would trade would be. I think I think that Phoenix is in a similar position for uh, a recent draft as the Golden State Warriors. And what I mean by that is they made a selection, the Warriors, with LaMelo Ball still on the board. They took James Wiseman. Yeah. The Suns made a selection with Trey and Luka. Still on the board, they took DeAndre Ayton, but this is the specific series where that is paying off because mm-hmm. they showed the stats before the game that the real problem maker for the MVP Jokic is dealing with Ayton on the inside. Ayton's got great numbers against him, and it was the same in Game One. So yeah, you could look back and say, boy, what what would life be like in Phoenix with with Luca and Devin Booker? But sometimes you gotta you gotta get the big man, and uh, this is really the first time where I'm thinking, man, that number one pick is paying off. He's legit. He's get, only getting better and better. I love the kid's demeanor. <clears throat> he's not high wired. He's a legit seven footer. He's legit, very quick with Staden Jokic's face. He listen to me. You have to live with Jokic shooting three pointers all day. I mean, just the bottom line. Phoenix took all the shots early with Michael Porter Jr. Okay, he can get red hot when he gets red hot, um, but. The weapons that the, the Phoenix has, Crowder can hit threes, and Mikel Bridges can hit threes, Payne can hit threes, but Chris Paul just sort of just does everything. And then you have that one guy in Devin Booker that can create, you know, his own shot. So they got very good chemistry. Monty Williams has done an unbelievable job with that squad. And, and I think Chris Paul is like a second coach on the floor. It's just the bottom line. To me, Chris Paul, I, I've said the, the two most underrated – players of the century i've always thought were chris paul and yao ming for what Yao the talent that yao had and how yeah. he made it a global game and then chris paul like when chris paul was out the first couple of games against the lakers they were just the exciting sons that were about an eight seed from last year right yeah. and then he comes and then the lakers can't even hold a torch to them and what was it last night he had 10 assists and one turnover like whoever whoever leads the assist to turnover ratio throughout the year is like a three or three and a half to one he's 10 to one in a playoff game. And, you know, for Monty, I, I love that relationship that they used to be together for the Hornets when they were in transition. And now he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Monty never had a chance for that roster 10 years ago. Now he does plus Chris Paul. And 
I mean, had LeBron ever lost a first round? I mean, that would, <laughs> that was unprecedented for them to just whoop the Lakers like that. Nah, it, it was crazy that it swung so the other way. Obviously, Chris getting hurt with his shoulder, then LeBron beating his chest. They're up two games to one. Then Anthony Davis getting hurt, and so the series basically being over as Chris Paul got back healthy. But yeah, he's another guy too. I wonder, like. His cards, I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but they're just not sought after Chris Paul cards, you know what I mean? I was listening to, uh, it was House of Jordans and Cardboard Chronicles. They got a, a Friday night uh, live that they do, really sharp. Remember, this is like a year, year and a half ago, and, and the guy Josh said, like, look, look at Chris Paul. His cards are like free, is exactly what he said. <laughs> he said, all right. But um, I, I did buy one Chris Paul card. I got a UD Reflections, and the only reason I bought it was I started looking through his queue, and I'm like, let me find a raw card that I feel like I can grade, and the UD Reflections looked pretty good. It was going to be about a $10, $15 card, but this one specifically, I looked at it front and back. I'm like, you could grade that thing and get a nine, and I picked that one up, $18.69. I wanted to have at least like one Chris Paul that I could could try to get into a slab, but I think that he will pick up steam, but yes, up till now, again, going back to him being underrated, no, his cards have never really had any traction but maybe this summer yeah i mean i was looking at <clears throat> cards that my brother was sending me they were like alan iverson just like, those cards before the prison came the alan iverson rookies and those it's just they were overpopulated that's just the bottom line too not only they're great players but you forget chris weber i mean his cards are not sought over at all and he's in the hall of fame a lot of people forget he got in the hall of fame so um I just look back at a lot of those cards and they were just not, those guys' rookie cards were nice cards. Remember classic, those weren't good cards. Those were half those guys' rookie cards in their unis. Oh my God. In those, in those, uh, those were in college unis, those cards, those were awful. And then just the basketball cards at that time were just not, not good. And so that's the other thing is like Larry, uh, Larry Walker and Kevin Garnett are sort of in the same situation. They're both going in the Hall of Fame. Their cards are affordable, but do you want to pay to grade them? Because, <laughs> I mean, what's the what's the the largest Kevin Garnett rookie card? And is it going to really go up? You know what I mean? And both, I think you could argue that on their best team, you wonder, were they the best player on their team if they're a Hall of Fame? Because you mentioned that, you know, you can, sometimes you would pitch around Todd Helton in that Rockies lineup. And then, yeah. you know, you, you look at Garnett, uh, Ray Allen and, or Paul Pierce, who was the original Celtic, but well, we know Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce got the best TikToks, got better, better TikToks than Garnett. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I look at the, at the purchased queue here, look, I, I just picked up some, some crown Royal Durant's the, the new set. We opened them with your buddies in New York. They got yeah. the crown up there and the cracked ice picked up a couple of those. One was 15. One was, one was 40. The um, silver throwbacks that were in prison this year that mirrored the 2012 uh, design. Uh, I got a silver Durant for 76 bucks and a silver Trey Young for. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I got these both written down the silver Durant and Trey Young. Same card. They both closed for $76.72 <laughs> to the penny. What? So the but yeah, so, crazy. Right? So yeah, the Durant and Trey Young. I think that is a set that's going to be popular in years to come because people think that the 2012 set is going to be iconic. I somewhat disagree. The only reason I say that is no one was really collecting in 2012, 
I mean, yeah, if you go back and say, oh, it's an original prism. I think that the 1920, the, the jaw, Zion, Tyler Hero, first year LeBron Lakers, I think that could be the iconic set because people saw it open over. I never saw a 2012 pack open. Yeah, I wasn't really true. collected at the time. That's true. Never thought of it that way. So I bought uh, obviously some Lucas. I got an optic shock, Trey Young. Um, How about see- Trey? Oh my, unbelievable. Keep the flat out play. Um, what else I got? I got, I got Trout, um, an emergent rookie card. We don't have much Trout this, uh, in this season, really. I know, I know right? Um, I'm trying to think what else I picked up. Um, I had one other pickup that I had. Oh, I had the, I uh, picked up a, a, another Luca Optic. Um, I paid like 75 for that. So. Um, so I, I was picking up more ba- ba- baseball, basketball, and then in football, I got a, um, um, I got a, a patch, Joe Burrow patch card that I paid like a hundred and a quarter for. We're going to get to your pickup of the week, uh, here in a second, but let's stick with Trey Young before we get to our pickups of the week. Um, what I like about Trey Young is that he's really putting it to these cities like New York. He's taking the bow. He said, when you watch a great performance, you take a bow. And now he's going into Philadelphia, who's got a, a, a great fan base. You know, a little crazy, but aren't they all? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the cities are more impressive than the teams. Like, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks were solid, but they, they were never really a team that was looking like they were going to win two series, let alone one. And then the 76ers, I've been saying all season that for a number one seat throughout, like injury problems, worries about the coaches, worries about the free throws, worries about the team chemistry. And Trey Young's just putting it to Philadelphia and New York. This is a great way to start your playoff career. Well, it is. I mean, the kid is fearless. I mean, obviously, he is a guy that can get in the lane, sliver in the lane. He's got great vision. He's a knockdown shooter. He can just flat-out score. Not many times you see a flat-out scorer like that that can distribute too. now. Andre Hunter is a very, very young player, solid player. Bogdanovich was a great pickup for them. They got some scorers around him, and they were able to – they've done a great job. I mean, do I think they're going to end up winning that series against Philadelphia? No, I think Philadelphia will end up maybe grinding it out. But the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, so many years with Dominique Wilkins and those guys could never get past so many rounds. And um, they're building something there. And – he has that swagger. He was talking trash at Madison Square, at Madison Square Garden um, in all those games, too. So when you have that swagger and you have that type of game, and he's the smallest guy on the court. I mean, it's just the bottom line. I mean, but he's the kind of guy where he still, because he's in Atlanta, Jaw ja is collectible because Jaw ja does crazy things. He's a highlight reel. Um but for Jaw and Trey to start being collectible, because Trey, you can still afford his stuff because he's still in, in Atlanta. If they were somewhere else, it'd be a different story. All right, let's get to our pickups of the week here on Card Wars. Paul, I know you got some international flavor for yours, but uh, I think I'm going to lead off on this one if you don't mind. Okay, go right, ahead. So pickup of the week for me, we're going to turn to the pigskin. By the time the national comes around, we're going to be thinking about football season. And out of the Chronicles set this year, they had a prism black, looked like the prism, little different image, black backdrop, and I got the silver version of the Justin Herbert 
And this thing landed for $259.79. I think that's one of my more expensive ones I've bought this year. But Herbert, silver, very rare. Let's see how it turns out. What'd you get? Uh, I like it. I like it. So you went expensive. I went a little bit. I sort of rare. I found it. a Zion Williamson made in Italy. It's, it's, it's a sticker card, a Europe sticker card that's a refractor, which I, I, it's what it says on it, right? I've never seen a sticker be a refractor, but it looks so crispy. You had a picture of the front and the back. I think I ended up closing it out at like $65, whatever. But it has him, what I did like, it had him in his pro uniform. It didn't have him in, 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 in his Duke uniform. So it's a cool looking card. Um, like I said, it was made in Italy. It's an, an Asia card. It's a rare card. I was looking to get, just get a Zion rookie card. And right now they're just impossible to find um at a good price so i thought this was a little funky and a little rare it's a pretty cool card now we did the poll last week and i was surprised my green ice uh giannis versus your luca credentials i thought my my green ice would have it for sure i mean he's dunking through it the beautiful color the shine luca won on your car two to one i mean you could you could put a luca base up there with a bad corner and i mean <laughs> this guy has got a bandwagon well, that's the problem with me. My three guys were Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and Luka. They're all out of the playoffs. So I got a little Trey Young, and I can't wait to get my my optic, Don Ross optic, and a couple of the, the yellow parallel lamellas graded and have a little fun with those. But, yeah, my boys are all out of the playoffs. I got Trey Young. Hopefully he can carry me to the promised land. All right, so we're actually going to be out of the podcast land here coming up soon as the powers to be – at extra points have told us that we're going to transition fully to Instagram live as we're leading up yeah. to the national. So at Paula Duca 16 at Jersey underscore Mojo. And of course we'll be talking with our man, Jimmy. We got a lot of, of players out there in the card world that we want to get into the video element, but I've got the desk here with all of our cards and uh, looking forward to firing up the Instagram lives, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Want to thank everybody obviously involved. Eddie Spaghetti, our fearless, fearless producer, who's done an unbelievable job, gets up every morning at seven in the morning um, to do this with us. Joel, um, we see, we see, how he's our confidant. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody, he, tell you, you know, yeah, he's our confidant. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's been great too, as well. Um, obviously, cousin Sal, uh, when we came up with this this contest uh, and this this sort of concept of a podcast with Brown baseball cards to get the interest back. And it's been a lot of fun. I've had so many people ask me, Hey, you're getting back in the cards. I'm like, I've always been to cards, but yeah, I'm getting back in the cards and it's, it's been a really fun run. This is going to be the last podcast, but like you said, we're going to do a ton of Instagram lives up to the nationals. Caleb still has about three to four, $3,500 more to spend. Yep. I still got $1,500 more to spend. So we're still going to post up some cards that we did buy. Keep you posted. Even, probably mostly on the Instagram lives too as well. Um, and then we're going to have everything lined up at Nationals. Getting ready to sell. And if you've been listening to this, come on over. Let's make a deal for $10,000 for all my dang cards. <laughs> you know, I- before we wrap here, one of the best things about this this spike in the last couple of years is that it has made the hobby a thing, sustainable. Like if me and you said we were going to go to the National Sports Card Convention, like let's say six years ago, people would be like, "Well, really? They have a, that's a thing? I like, guess that's kind of cool." But now, when you see that this 
Brady rookie selling for a million. These LeBrons are going crazy. The market's up. I mean, people know now, even if they don't collect, they know that as a larger whole that this this hobby is booming. So just just to make it sustainable enough to show that hey, this isn't a kid's game. These guys are these guys got fifty thousand dollars stickers on some of these cards on the show yeah. and making huge deals, wiring money, putting crypto. Get I mean, you know. So the fact that this hobby has boomed enough where grown men and women can go to this thing with big stacks of cash and have all different types of interest level from trying to really make money, trying to make contacts, trying to make memories. I mean, that's the huge win that this yeah. thing is back and sustainable. Well, that's the best part about it is you got two spectrums, right? You have the people that are collecting to collect because they have the money, they're collecting their childhood idols. And then you have people that are collecting to invest. I'll put it this way. You called me about a week ago. You were pumped to go to a flea market because you knew there'd be baseball cards there because you know that you've been to a flea market like myself and hit a gem because it's just sitting in a box. That's like the first time I've heard that in 20 years. Like mm -hmm. we used to go to flea markets all the time, trying to get cards for little money, little money at a time. That's going to start coming back. People are going to bring their collections thinking, okay, do I have anything that's worth anything? And people are going to start going out and searching again. That's gone away for about 10 years. When's the last time you actually went to a flea market looking for baseball cards or looking for cards? You have not. But since the boom, ooh, then I might run into a Jordan da-da-da card that was a dollar card one time that's now a $100 card. So that's the cool part. People are going to go back to the flea markets. People are going to go back into card stores. People are going to go back to card shows and try to find deals and invest. And... There's going to be the people, like you said, that just bought the $4.8 million card that are going to be going after the whales. That's beautiful. Like they said, the interest has never been higher. When you look at, at memberships, when you look at views, when you look at subscriptions, when you look at the attendance for the Dallas Card Show, you got to love where we're at. It's never been higher, the interest in sports cards. So, again, special thanks to the Extra Points Pod, at Extra Points Pod on Instagram, at Pauladuka16 at jersey underscore mojo and again a special thanks to our man eddie as well as joel for uh, giving us some vision and uh, putting these shows together on the regular but the uh, next time we talk you're going to be seeing our faces on instagram live so follow us special thanks to cousin sal for fronting this venture and paul we're going to talk again here soon yeah definitely talk soon we're going to be going back and forth um uh sending each other pictures of cars that we picked up you gotta understand caleb and i I didn't even know he picked up some of these cards. So I picked up a couple cards um, that he doesn't know about. He's picked up a couple cards that I don't know about for sure. So when we hit to, to get back together and get our collections together, he, I guarantee he's going to be like, hey, where'd you pick this one up from? And I'm going to be the same way. So it's going to be very interesting. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Now we keep the poker hands close. We do exchange a lot for our perspective ones. We, I feel like we share more of like, hey, I got this in the watching queue that yeah, I'm right. planning on bidding on. And yeah. then if we actually get it, maybe we keep it to ourselves for a while. But we, we do the, uh, we do, we've done this multiple times where we have like a, the, the, I had a $2,000 Luca card in the queue. You had like a $1,000 Burrow card. And we were both saying, if we win this weekend in the Belmont Stakes, we're going to buy this card. <laughs> but both of us uh, didn't man. have any luck. But you had a better pick than me. 
Hot Rod Charlie almost won, ran an unbelievable race. Good pick by you, but my friend. All right, still second though. But hey, it was it was a heck of a race. Triple Crown season is in the books, so and that means that with our gig working in the racing industry, we have a little extra time to focus on this national, which by the way is less than two months away. So hope you all enjoyed it. We're gonna be talking to you on Instagram Live next time around. And until then, may all your rookie cards be gems. <laughs>